All right. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Jason Bazinet. I'm Cities Internet and Media Analyst. I'm excited uh, this afternoon to be joined by Bill Reddy. He is the president of Commerce Payments and the Next Billion Users, sometimes referred to as NDU. Uh, two housekeeping items. One, if you need disclosures, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to send them. And second, some of the statements that Mr. Reddy will make today may be considered forward-looking. These statements involve a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. Any forward-looking statements that Mr. Reddy makes are based on assumptions as of today, and Alphabet undertakes no obligation to update them. Please refer to Alphabet's Form 10-K and the most recent Form 10-Q for discussion of the risk factors that may affect its results. And with those items behind us, Bill, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, let me let me just start because I I'm, I would suspect that a lot of people on Wall Street um, don't know who you are. Maybe some do, but just before we go anywhere, you joined Alphabet what in 2000, I think. Uh, 2020, January of 2020. January of 2020. Before you joined, where else did you work? What roles did you have? Sure. Yeah. So prior to Google, I was uh, chief operating officer at PayPal. Uh, so for folks who are covering uh, fintech, uh, I would have spent a good bit of time uh, with, with those folks. And so as uh, CEO of PayPal uh, uh, from its spinoff from eBay uh, up until uh, uh, 2019. And prior to that, um, uh, and, you know, PayPal as, as COO had product engineering and end user experience. Um, and prior to that, uh, people would have known me mostly as a serial entrepreneur. Prior to that, I'd done five startups. Uh, the two most recent being uh, Venmo and Braintree, where I was CEO of both of those businesses and sold those to PayPal. And that was uh, actually how I joined PayPal via the acquisition of Braintree and Venmo. Okay, I was going to ask the follow-up question. It seems so unorthodox to join such a giant organization as Alphabet after your history, but it was via acquisition is what you're saying. Well, the, the, it was via acquisition by PayPal. So I became CEO okay. of PayPal uh, via PayPal's acquisition of I Brain and Venmo. And, you know, through the course of that, um, you know, uh, you know, initially joining PayPal is about rebuilding PayPal for mobile. And then we ended up building a business of quite significant scale. And so, uh, you know, then started to really enjoy innovating and building a scale. And so saw a lot of opportunity to do that in commerce uh, at Google. Uh, and so that was, okay. uh, you know, commerce of very interesting adjacency uh, to, to what we've been doing in payments. And so uh, that was the lead up to, to joining Google to do to do commerce. So this must be the largest firm you've ever worked for, right? It's probably the largest firm that uh, mo most folks would have, would have worked <laughs> for. <laughs> so it's certainly true for me. Hopefully they have a nice entrepreneurial corner for you to sort of uh, create some value. So, yeah. so, so what are your responsibilities at Google today? And, and how do you allocate your time when you think about your, your sort of relatively long title? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so Google, I lead uh, commerce payments and uh, what is called next billion users, which uh, you know, others would think of as like emerging markets uh, effectively. And so my org does the product and engineering uh, behind Google's suite of you know, shopping and travel tools uh, and, and how those shopping and travel experiences show up across Google surfaces like uh, search, the shopping tab, uh, maps, and, and we collaborate with the other product areas in Google to do that. Um, and then I took on payments and uh, MBU leadership in April this year. Um, and the focus there is really you know, tapping into what Google's best at, which is, is user understanding and helping to build digital experiences that drive economic opportunity for you know, consumers and businesses 
uh, you know, uh, certainly in the major markets uh, that you'd be you know, familiar with, with Google, but then with our next billion users uh, doing that in, in, in emerging markets. Um, uh, great example being like what GPay has done uh, in India, for example. So that's interesting. So payments was not part of your responsibility when you joined. That was just add. Yeah, not, not initially. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, the, the thought there was, uh, you know, there's a, a lot to do in commerce uh, that was adjacent to what I'd done in payments in the past. But then, you know, commerce and pay, payments, uh, you know, uh, go, go hand in hand a bit uh, as well. So it's been nice to bring those groups together and, uh, and drive more innovation across those teams. I'm going to infer the leadership team thinks you're doing a good job and we'll just, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so may, maybe you can give us a little bit of the history uh, with Google and shopping, because I know there's a there's a long sort of e-commerce history that goes back, you know, two decades. Um, just give us maybe like a, a brief primer on like, you know, what did Google do in the past? What sort of didn't work? What did work? What are they doing now? Yeah, so, so you're right. Google's been in retail for over 20 years. Uh, and, and retail's a, a very big category for Google uh, and, and a substantial growth driver. Uh, uh, you've heard Philip reference that on earnings calls um, you know, with, with retail being, you know, one of the largest drivers of growth for the ads business, as he referenced uh, last quarter's earnings calls. Um, uh, and so, you know, we're, we're doing more for this category than ever before. Uh, we have a billion uh, plus shopping sessions happening across Google every day. And, you know, the, the approach we're taking there is you know, bringing more choice, uh, information and transparency to, to those shopping sessions by supporting an open ecosystem where shoppers can connect directly with, with merchants across all of Google surfaces uh, and without having you know, an intermediary uh, in between and really helping to forge direct relationships between consumers and the merchants from whom they're buying. And so in doing that, you know, we're, we're tapping into uh, searches knowledge graph uh, and a lot of new dynamic AI capabilities uh, at Google I.O., I announced our shopping graph, which is built on those uh, uncommon technologies uh, that you know, is helping create connections between businesses and shoppers and doing that via you know, extensive knowledge of uh, you know, product catalog around the world uh, so that when users are thinking about what's the best product for them, what's the best value for them, what's the best place to buy it, uh, all these types of questions uh, we're able to answer those connect answer those questions for the user and then see are we back we're back we're okay sorry back about about 20 seconds i'd say sorry about that i think the uh the uh the internet uh, didn't want to cooperate with me there for a moment. So, um, <laughs> but you know, we're doing all that, uh, you know, with our, our shopping graph that we announced at Google IO and, you know, that's bringing together, you know, a very extensive product catalog. So that when the user has a question about what's the best product, what's the best value, what's the best place to get that product, who has it in stock, um, you know, can I get it online or in store, who has curbside, all these questions, users can come to Google to get those questions answered. And we help connect that user with the very best place for them uh, to go buy based on their preferences and then forge a direct relationship between the consumer uh, and, and the places they're buying from. Uh, so you know, that's our approach. You know, it's very much aligned with uh, Google's mission overall to democratize access to information, make it more useful. And we're taking that same approach in 
in what we're doing in, in, in commerce, uh, really tackling the information part of that problem and helping to bridge the connection between users and the broader retail ecosystem. So when you, you said a billion shopping sessions a day, was that the number that you used? That's right. That's right. Well, how, do you, how do you define a shopping session, just for those that may not be as familiar with the... Well, this is you know, one, one of the things that, you know, uh, I think retailers really appreciate, appreciate about Google is that there's you know, very strong intent when people come to Google and you know, they're searching for a product, they have a very clear shopping intent. Um, and so this is something that's been you know, well-defined for us for quite some time is you know, which queries have a, a shopping intent. Uh, and we know that based on you know, the product they're looking for, you know, uh, their, their intent to buy, the, the things they end up uh, clicking on, which oftentimes end up being, you know, merchant product listing, these types of things. So when we say, you know, a billion plus shopping sessions each day, um, you know, these are, are, are ones where we, we clearly see intent from the user that we know there's a product, something that they're looking for, um, and that, you know, for the vast majority of those shopping sessions, uh, we're then connecting the user with, you know, a great place to, find, a great place to buy, you know, the, the product that they were looking for. Okay, so so here here's one area. Maybe I'm just naive, but you know, when 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 we all throw around the word e-commerce, right? It sounds super simple. It's like a consumer wants to go do something, but as soon as you delve into that that ecosystem, it gets a little bit more complicated, right? There's like retailers, there's e-commerce platforms like Shopify, there's payment platforms, there's websites, there's consumers, and everyone seems to have, you know, different exposure across that long, broader sort of value chain. So. So what, what, can you just talk about the broader ecosystem and, and what white spaces or opportunities do you see for Alphabet in this, in this pretty complicated, pretty crowded space? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a great question. And it is a place where, you know, we think there's a lot of opportunity to really support that ecosystem. And that's our focus is, is how Google can uh, uniquely support that ecosystem. So, you know, when it comes to shopping, we support a free and open commerce ecosystem, just as Google has uh, long been, you know, a, a, a supporter of the free and open web. Uh, you know, we think about supporting a free and open commerce ecosystem uh, as well. And this is really important, especially for small and mid-sized businesses, but for retail broadly. And what we're really trying to do is give merchants of all sizes the opportunity to bring forward their unique value prop uh, to users uh, without having, you know, uh, an intermediary in between. And then also allowing those merchants to bring the providers of their choice across things like payments or commerce platforms. And so we really are working in partnership with the ecosystem uh, to make those experiences better and focusing on the part that we think we're uniquely equipped to help with, which is uh, user understanding, user connection. As you look across retail, um, you know, you, you've seen tremendous growth go to, you know, vertically integrated experiences. And as you have the broader retail ecosystem thinking about how do they digitize rapidly, how do they compete? Um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there solving for things like payments or things like commerce platforms. Uh, they give them you know better access to you know fulfillment or logistics or inventory and order management, those kinds of things. And so, you know, there's a lot of really good solutions across a number of those, but much of retail is still struggling with how do they connect with the user, how do they source demand? Um, and you know that's a place where we think we're uniquely equipped to help solve for that and do that not only in partnership with retailers but in partnership with others that are building for retailers, um, you know, like our partnerships with you know Shopify and WooCommerce and uh, you know other commerce platforms, uh, payment providers like like PayPal and Square. And so 
we think by doing that, uh, we can really help to, you know, um, uh, democratize access, both so that consumers have a broad array of choices uh, and so that merchants are able to go compete in a, in a rapidly digitizing environment. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a number of things I can go through, through like tangibly how we've done that. But if you look at the, 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 the impact of that, like, you know, the, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, there's a company called Louisiana Crawfish Company. It's a family owned and operated business that largely serves uh, restaurants and stores in the local area. When COVID hit, restaurants shut down, you know, like so many other businesses, it had to pivot. Uh, and, and they pivoted by starting to do home deliveries uh, to, to families. And that was a way for their business to survive. And by promoting their products, by, by shifting to digital, promoting their products using search and smart shopping campaigns, uh, you know, that company was able to directly connect with customers on Google and, and grow its revenues by 31% during COVID when that was a massive shift to digital for them and something that would have been you know, very different than the way they'd operated their, their, their business before. That's one, one story, one example, where we're helping thousands upon thousands of small businesses in these types of ways to go access customers quickly. And again, doing it in partnership with the many other players in the ecosystem that are helping them do that as well, such as commerce and payment platforms um, that are out there. So, you know, if you look back at what we've done just over the course of the last uh, 18 months or so, we started out by reducing the financial barriers uh, for those merchants to list. We made it free for any retailer or of any size to make their full inventory available uh, on our surfaces uh, when we announced uh, our free shopping listings. Uh, we've been reducing integration barriers by partnering more closely with their providers, uh, like the examples I gave of you know, Shopify Square, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, GoDaddy. Uh, so making it easier to access and really making it so that those products are discoverable across multiple surfaces of Google with a single integration by the merchant. So whether that consumer is on our main search results page and our shopping tab, uh, using lens and image search on YouTube, our shopping graph that now has over 24 billion listings and a lot of rich metadata like price reviews, ratings, uh, is really helping shoppers to find the right product for them across the widest range of merchants uh, from the very largest retailers all the way down to direct-to-consumer brands or small businesses like the one uh, I was referencing. So given, given your, your description of sort of working with other partners in the ecosystem and making it very easy for consumers to sort of uh, connect with businesses without a middleman, and then you describe some of the things that you're making available for free, right? What, then what, what is the monetization mechanism for all of this? Like how should shareholders think about sort of how this ultimately translates to better revenue or cash flow. Yeah, well, certainly. So, so first thing I'd say is that, you know, our, our data shows us that we're really on the right track with this. Uh, in, in second quarter, you know, retail was again by far the largest contributor to uh, the year on year growth of our ads business as, as Philip shared uh, in, in, in earnings. Uh, in Q4 of 2020, we talked about the growth we saw in 2020 where we saw an 80% growth in our merchant community year over year with disproportionate growth coming from small and mid-sized businesses. So I share that as just like some uh, you know, specific uh, quantification of both how we're building our ecosystem uh, and contributing to the ecosystem, as well as how it's contributing to the growth in our ads business. And, and the model um, you know, is very much uh, just as you've seen from, you know, our search and ads business historically is that we're making it free uh, for users to discover 
you know, the best information available, the best products, the best places to buy them. That's free for the consumer, free for the merchant to make all those things available on our organic surfaces. And then ads is a great way for merchants to be able to uh, promote, uh, to get you know premium placement, uh, and that creates monetization opportunities for us. Uh, and, and we see that working out, uh, you know, quite well. That you know, as as we've seen merchants really increase their participation in our shopping capabilities, uh, you know, we've seen that on average merchants who have enabled both free listings and paid ads on our shopping tab have seen a 50% increase in clicks to their sites. So this, um, you know, this benefit of supporting both free experiences and then paid opportunities uh, for merchants to promote, uh, not only is it aligned with, you know, how our, our broader business of search and ads has worked historically, we're seeing this having really great effect, uh, both for users discovering, you know, more of what they were looking for, yeah. Um, but also for merchants being able to really promote themselves and, and, and gain a lot of traffic. That makes sense. So, so Etsy sometimes talks about the, the syntax gap, that is the difference between what a consumer might type into the search box versus what it is that they're really looking for, what they really want to buy. And, and I, would, I would guess your firm is probably better than anyone at closing the syntax gap, given how much you know about this, but how much of a structural advantage uh, is sort of, you know, Google's sort of history uh, in sort of search and closing the syntax gap as, as investors sort of think about the e-commerce opportunity? Well, th this is definitely a place where we think we can be very helpful to the retail ecosystem. Uh, you know, shopping is about inspiration and discovery as much as it is about the final purchase and really bridging that gap from you know, inspiration, discovery, uh, you know, all the way down to purchase. It's a very hard technical problem to solve for many merchants. And that problem is really becoming even harder as user shopping journeys are increasingly multimodal. So you have the syntax gap of, you know, how do the user express themselves, but you're also increasingly seeing the user engage in many different formats. And so this problem is hard and, and getting harder. And again, a place where we think there's a lot we can do to help. So on the query side of this, you know, of course, exactly as you were, you were referring to, Google spent the last 20 plus years on search and at its core search is about understanding language. So, you know, most recently, uh, we've been using AI to make huge strides in both natural language understanding uh, and image recognition to understand what people are looking for and make product recognition almost instantaneous. Uh, we're also working on newer technologies that can understand information across a wide range of sources like text, image, and video to show options to shoppers even when they don't exactly know what they're looking for or to bridge the gap, not just in syntax, but to bridge the gap in uh, you know, the, the different modes or formats with which they're interacting where these things are increasingly more, more visual or video driven or these types of things. And so when it comes to those results, our shopping graph is bringing together information from websites, prices, reviews, videos, product data, such as SKU and inventory, and getting all these things directly from brands and retailers so that we're able to connect shoppers on those you know, billion plus shopping sessions each day uh, with over 24 billion listings from many millions uh, of merchants. And so this helps shoppers find what they're looking for from a wide variety of merchants. And you know, the shopping graph, as I mentioned before, it's not just doing this on Sarah's shopping tab. This is helping to connect users with, with this content 
across all of our surfaces. And so bridging the gap from inspiration to purchase, no matter where the user is shopping or which surface they're on, whether they're on search uh, or you know on, on YouTube, uh, watching a video or using lens to go uh, search the world around them uh, visually, uh, in any of these cases, uh, we're, we're making sure that this you know graph of 24 billion plus listings is easily accessible to the consumer on whichever our surface they might be in, uh, whichever stage of the, the shopping journey they might be in. And so, you know, that's we've, we're seeing that to be a very powerful combination that is again great for the user uh, because they can find best product for them, what's in stock, where to get it, but also really great for the merchant ecosystem that's being able to connect with the user at multiple stages in their journey and really you know, express their value prop to users uh, in, in, in new ways at new stages of the journey as well. And again, only possible because you know, we're working with a vibrant community of merchants and doing so in a way that is, is, is built on an open ecosystem and supportive of an, of an open ecosystem. Okay, so you used, used a couple of phrases in there. One of them you unpacked, one you didn't. So I just want to make sure we're all tracking. You used surfaces, and then you unpacked that and said that could be search, it could be YouTube, it could be lenses. But then you used another word, modes. What, what does mm -hmm. modes mean? Is that mobile desktop, or is, that, is there another? Or well, is that just I, I think, with surfaces? Well, I think this is where, um, you know, users... You, you see digital starting to bridge into the physical world, for example. And so, yes, you have mobile versus desktop uh, that, that has happened previously. You're starting to see digital come into physical world with things like curbside pickup. Uh, um, you know, but then you're also starting to see that shopping in the digital format is starting to move into places like video, for example, where you know it may not just be, you know, we, we were talking about the syntax gap of, of a user searching for something, but sometimes you know the, the mode in which they engage maybe something more like a discover feed um, or a YouTube video or these types of things, which are okay. uh, you know, multiple new ways that consumers are engaging with these shopping experiences and back to democratizing access to the retail ecosystem. You know, we're helping those, that retail ecosystem be able to integrate with us once and then have their products start to surface across multiple of our surfaces and multiple of those shopping modes and we think there's a lot of new things that we can do as you know digitization drives forward and these things start to move more and more into the physical world curbside is a first example but i think there's a lot more of that to come as well what would be another example so i think other than curbside yeah well i think this is a you know uh if you look at like what we're doing with google lens for example where you know Users take, you know, uh, users take a lot of screenshots as they're sort of perusing the web, looking for things they might be interested in. You know, people will sort of save those by taking screenshots. Uh, one of the things that we've announced with Google Lens is now you write in Google Photos. Lens is able to tell you that screenshot you took. Lens will recognize the image, tell you what the product is, where you could get it. Lens can do that in the physical world as well, though. That you imagine as users start to go more into the physical world uh, again that they've been accustomed to much richer information about products that they got in the digital environment, but they also want to go back into stores. And so people have talked for a long time about how can your smartphone be a digital shopping assistant in the physical world. Well, with Lens, you can you know, point your phone's camera at anything and you know, it will help you search what you see right with Lens. But search what you see 
one of the biggest use cases for that we see is shopping. So that you're out, you see a product, you may not know what that product is, um, but you're really interested in it and you want to know what is that product? Tell me more about it. Uh, and you know, you talk about a syntax gap, you don't even know what that product is yet, and now you can just point your phone at it and, and you know, we can connect that to that shopping graph of 24 billion plus listings and recognize what's the product you're pointing your phone at, tell you more about it, give you great user reviews, uh, tell you where to buy it, uh, and all kinds of other information that would be more akin to your e-commerce experience, but now you can do that in the physical world as well. Got it, that's super helpful. So, so you, you touched on this, Philip has mentioned uh, the shopping opportunity on, on YouTube on recent calls, but how are you addressing the shopping opportunity on YouTube specifically? Well, you know, YouTube's exciting for, for many reasons. Uh, it's, it's incredible to see the amount of content that's available uh, uh, for users uh, across so many topics and the, the amount of just how valuable users find uh, th that content. And you know, it's not just the content, it's that YouTube is a shopping destination. Uh, think about unboxing videos and product reviews. Um, there's a tremendous amount of that activity. And according to our research, a remarkable 70% of customers buy a brand after seeing it on YouTube. Uh, so we're working hard to make YouTube not only more actionable, but more shoppable. Uh, we've been beta testing an integrated shopping experience on videos uh, on demand. Uh, one example of that is with uh, Mondelez's Sour Patch Kids, uh, which was the company's first creator campaign, uh, and it drove a 3% plus click-through rate on desktop alone over a three-week period. So. Uh, we're piloting uh, shopping experiences on live streams uh, with a handful of creators and brands. And so if you're watching a supported live stream on YouTube, uh, you can browse and shop products in real time without interruption. Uh, and we made really substantial user, merchant, and advertiser experiences on, on, on YouTube uh, over the past year. Uh, so, you know, you know, there's great potential for more innovation on that going forward, uh, but really, uh, you know, driven by the fact that, you know, there's a lot of user engagement there already through great content, uh, particularly uh, shop, shopping content, uh, like the example I was giving before, where YouTube is, a, is effectively a shopping destination already, and we're just bringing more capabilities uh, to meet the user, uh, the user demand and the user intent that's already there. So, so how important is VR, AR when it comes to commerce? Do you think that's a key enabler or, or just do you think that's going to be a big deal? It gets a lot of buzz out there. But. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I was touching on this a little bit in my comments uh, about Lens, but, you know, the consumer shift to digital is very real. Uh, as we all know, the pandemic has accelerated that digitization tremendously. And, you know, in, in the last year, we've seen an increase in adoption uh, of digitally enabled services such as curbside pickup, same-day delivery. And as people come back into the store, uh, I think there's going to be a much much more need for a, a blended uh, digital experience as people come back into the store. And, and as I mentioned before, Google Lens is very much uh, you know, our pathway into that omni-channel experience in a place where we can uh, uniquely bring together physical and digital worlds uh, of commerce. Uh, and that very much pairs with our, our AR and VR capabilities uh, as well. Uh, so I mentioned a couple of those examples like with Google Photos uh, and you know, the ability to you know, search the photo with Lens. Uh, or point your phone, you know, at something you see in the real world, yeah. and and know what that is via lens. So I think these are great examples of of you know not just in theory what we could do with AR and VR. Like these are things I was talking about these at Google I/O. Uh, these are live products that you can you can use today uh, to you know shop what you see 
in the physical world using your phone. So, so how does how does Google Payments fit into all this? Yeah. So, you know, every commerce experience is also a payments experience, um, and you know, a friction laden checkout can take the joy out of a purchase. Um, and, and and so, in shopping, we think about our goal as as giving retailers more choice by opening our platform. Uh, and so that merchants can connect with consumers. But notably, uh, we've talked about giving those merchants also the ability to bring the payment provider of their choice. Uh, we've done that with PayPal, with Shopify, uh, and we're really trying to help drive a seamless payment experience there um, you know, that works for everyone, both the user, the merchant, and the payment providers that those merchants are working with. On the user side of this, you know, Google Pay is also a checkout facilitator that makes it even easier for consumers to access the payment method of their choice, whether that's a credit card or PayPal or ShopPay uh, or some other form of payment. Uh, each of those are examples of, of places where you know, Google Pay as a checkout um, uh, facilitator is helping the user access uh, their favorite payment method. Uh, and we're partnering with the broader ecosystem and others that are like-minded and trying to solve for, for checkout as well. We already see millions of merchants um, offer Google Pay as a simple, safe way for their customers to pay on sites uh, and apps and in stores. And on the, the user side, there's over 150 million users uh, that use the Google Pay app to manage uh, uh, and make payments uh, and manage everyday transactions and stay on top of their finances. So we think there's a lot more that we can do here. Uh, we're continuing to innovate, but importantly, we're innovating in partnership with the ecosystem, with both merchants uh, financial institutions and other financial services providers really bring new digital experiences to help them connect with uh, the, their customer base. Um, so a couple of tangible examples of that. In the U.S., we partner with merchants to surface card-linked offers and coupons within Google Pay. Um, users can send cross-border payments from the U.S. to India and Singapore using WISE. Uh, and last month, we announced a partnership with uh, Setu, a, a fintech company in India, to enable users uh, to open fixed deposit accounts directly from Google Pay. So just as you know, with e-commerce where we're not a retailer, but we think there's a lot we can do to help retailers and help the ecosystem in, in payments, we're not a bank, we have no intentions of being a bank, um, but we do think that our platform can be very beneficial to banks, financial institutions, uh, and financial service providers and fintechs to connect more users with the financial services that they provide. So, so how, how will you monetize Google Pay? So, you know, just as we were talking about on the uh, shopping and commerce side, Google's always been about supporting the free and open web. And with Google Pay, we're making digital payments, um, you know, free and, you know, easily accessible, uh, easily available to consumers and merchants. So, you know, maybe I'll, I'll share a couple of things that we're, we're not doing. Um, okay. So Google does not make money from Google Pay user data. Uh, transaction history is not shared with any other Google service for targeting ads. Um, we do not charge merchants or users fees for in-store tap and pay transactions uh, and for web and mobile checkout using a Google Pay button. We really are focused on creating a better buying experience for consumers. Uh, and helping the merchant ecosystem by lowering friction in their commerce experiences uh, without dipping into their profits. Um, and so that way merchants can choose, you know, um, you know, uh, whatever service or surface, uh, um, you know, is, is best for them uh, and, and use the Google, um, you know, use Google Pay as a way to help drive more conversion, um, but in a way that is in support of uh, a free and open ecosystem. 
And then, you know, we do have places where we'll have commercial arrangements uh, with merchants for incremental sales uh, or servicing other officers or, or those types of things. Uh, so we do have some of those places where we'll monetize directly, but by and large, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to take friction out of the experience uh, in supporting the free and open web. Okay, super helpful. Well, how, how, does, how does travel fit into all this? I mean, everyone's very excited about the travel recovery as we sort of move to the post-COVID world. Um, is travel a big part of what you're thinking about or less yeah. important relative to the broader e-commerce opportunity? No, tra travel's uh, you know very important part of our, our commerce strategy. Uh, and and our, our strategy in travel really mirrors what we're doing in shopping as well. And we see a great deal of travel queries on Google that have clear commercial intent. Uh, and we're providing helpful information to people to start their travel research and journey on our surface, no matter where that journey ends. Uh, so we, we're trying to leverage our technology to offer great experience for users across all points in the journey, from inspiration to price comparison to booking. Um, you know, a good example of that would be Google Flights, where we can deliver near instantaneous results from a massive data set of flight prices that changes from moment to moment. Uh, and just like shopping, we want to help users compare and understand all their options, uh, all the options available to them, and promote a healthy, uh, a healthy ecosystem uh, and democratize great digital capabilities for that ecosystem. And so like we've done with retail, we're working with travel businesses to eliminate barriers so they can easily integrate with us and share their latest best offerings with uh, consumers. And again, and just as with retail, we're facilitating direct connections between consumers and you know, travel suppliers of all sizes and types, whether those are uh, online travel agencies, hoteliers, airlines, uh, from the very largest to, uh, to the smallest, we're, we're helping them connect directly with those customers, helping the, the customer connect directly with uh, the, the suppliers on those things. And you know, we're seeing that there's you know, a lot of benefit on both sides of the, of the ecosystem for that. Um, and as you know, the travel's recovering further, uh, you know, we think we're helping to facilitate that recovery and, and creating positive lift in the industry uh, with tools and technology that all travel suppliers can use to navigate their comeback. Um, a very specific example, uh, you know, would be what we did with Amtrak. Uh, and when COVID hit, ridership plummeted, budgets were cut, uh, and uncertainty, you know, really ensued on, on how to efficiently reach essential travelers. So we stepped in with insights and automation and bookings for their, their latest quarter, Q2, uh, increased three times year over year. So, um, you know, consumers are going to be grappling with a lot of different information needs. You have travel suppliers, again, looking for how do they connect with the consumer uh, as, as, as there are shifting needs uh, um, uh, based on, on, on a uh, sort of heterogeneous, um, you know, comeback and travel. And those kinds of information gaps are really great places where, where Google can help to add a lot of value for the, the consumer and for uh, the, the travel ecosystem. So, so you're in payments, but you don't want to be a bank. You're in uh, e-commerce, but you don't want to be a, a, a sort of an Amazon, if you will. And, and you're in travel, but you don't want to become an OTA. It's all about the open ecosystem and just facilitating transactions. Is that the right? Is that a good summary? That's right. And really focusing on the information part of the problem and right. connecting those ecosystems with users. Um, and so, yes, we, it's, it's, you're exactly right because we're, we're in each of those spaces in a way to help those ecosystems to connect with users, which is really at the core of our business and what we do well. And we're quite clear-eyed about focusing on that part that we do well and not looking to go move in 
to the profit pools of those other players uh, and the things that they do well, leaving that with them, but really assisting them uh, through the thing that we can do well around user understanding, connecting users with those service providers uh, directly. Okay, I have to ask you one sort of tactical question because all of the hedge funds will get upset if I don't. So Philip noticed, uh, noted that travel was a big driver of the Q2 ad strength. Um, with this sort of Delta variant, have you seen sort of any undulations or changes in terms of this travel recovery, or does it feel like everything is still going ahead at sort of the normal sort of pace of recovery that we would expect as COVID moves to the background? Yeah, well, it, it, a little bit as I was alluding to in uh, sort of my last comment, you know, there's a lot of heterogeneity in travel based on location uh, and sort of what's happening in a particular geography at a particular moment in time, and that's you know ever shifting. Uh, and so people are having to navigate through a patchwork of information uh, before they travel. And so consumers come to us to help them navigate that, that unpredictability and we'll continue to supply them with, you know, relevant information that meets their needs in a ever-changing landscape on that. Um, and we've launched a lot of new features to help people better understand uh, the, the changing travel restrictions and requirements as they think about where they want to safely go next. Yeah. Um, so we'll also continue to help our travel partners innovate and digitize, giving them access to tools like Flight Demand Explorer or Travel Insights to understand uh, travel demand. So, you know, again, that, that heterogeneity, um, you know, it, it, it can be at times difficult for the consumer to navigate, difficult for uh, you know travel suppliers to go connect with those consumers, but also a place where we think we're uniquely equipped to go solve for the user's needs as well as uh, you know, helping the, the the travel ecosystem to connect with those users. Okay. So, Bill, I have one last question for you. So, there, there's obviously a lot going on in the broader internet, a lot going on with broader digitization, but as you sort of look at all of the things that are happening in the broader ecosystem and what you're focused on, what are the one or two things that you're most excited about? Well, I would say generally, you know, as, as many have talked about, uh, you know, we've seen decades worth of digitization happen in the last year uh, and it as rapid as that has been it certainly isn't fully optimized and it's certainly not done uh, and I'm, I'm really excited there's multiple vectors where we can help uh, with you know both the optimization of you know the the digitization that's already occurred as well as helping to continue advancing that um, in, in digital it's no longer just about e-commerce but you know, also includes digitization of the in-store experience uh, with things like buy online, pick up in store, or like the lens experiences that I was talking about that, um, you know, people are going to have these, the expectations that users have built uh, with their increasing use of e-commerce are gonna move with them into the store. Uh, so I see a lot of runway for these types of things like lens where we're in the very early stages of development, um, but can effectively start bridging online discovery and in-store intent. And it's not just, you know, uh, lens, um, you, know, you know, some of the things where we're seeing initial uptake, uh, for example, on things like tap to pay in store that, you know, has seen acceleration, but it's still in, in, in early stages. And so overall, I'd say, you know, excited about the opportunity that digitization provides. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, as, as, as rapid as that has been, uh, you know, there's, there's so much more uh, of that to go and so much opportunity for us to be an enabler uh, for the ecosystems uh, in, in multiple spaces, uh, like we talked about with, with, with shopping and with travel um, and, and, and as well as payments, for us to, 
to be an enabler for many participants in those ecosystems to go connect with users in that digital environment. So uh, I think lots more, lots more to do there. I'm quite excited about that. That's great. Well, Bill, thank you very much for the time this afternoon. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure our audience members did as well. So thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be well.